some days, you know, he was busy, he's an adult, adults have meetings. And so sometimes he wouldn't pick up the phone. So one of the days I made a copy of the key and that worked for a while. I, I still followed the rules. I only used the key after I'd completed my homework. But then eventually they found out that I had a key. And so I had to resort to cracking the window open. Then they figured that out. At some point I got a laptop and then they actually started unplugging the router in the office. So I did what any 15 year old or 16 year old person would do. And uh, the next time I had internet, I went on YouTube and Googled how to hack Wi-Fi. Luckily this was in the days where some people were still using WEP protected routers and found some video where somebody showed me how to use Backtrack, the predecessor to Kali Linux, and followed their instructions and was able to get the password to one of my neighbor's wireless networks. And then until my, my parents would get home and I could use our, our good network, I could use this mediocre network from somewhere in the neighborhood. From Cobalt headquarters in San Francisco, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My name is Caroline Wong, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, my friend and colleague, Leif Dreisler. Leif works on the AppSec team at Segment, partnering with engineers to continuously improve their security story and protect customer data. He got his start in the security industry at Redspin during security consulting work. Leaf is an active member of the InfoSec community, and in particular, he helps with LocoMocoSec, AppSec California, and the Bay Area OWASP chapter. Leaf, I actually remember the first time I met you. I don't think you met me. It was in September 2016 at the Structure Security Conference at the Presidio Golden Gate Club. And I thought to myself, I think this guy's really smart. Um, and then later we met, um, and I'm so pleased that I know you. Um, and thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it. So Leif, I have a question. I assume you're at work right now, but maybe not because we do have a situation. So instead of assuming, I'll actually ask you, are you at work right now? I'm actually uh, working from home. Segment has strongly encouraged everybody to work from home and not come into the office. And I've taken their advice. Cool. That makes perfect sense. You know, I was going to ask you about conference room naming it segment, which I think we can still talk about, although it, it sort of ruins my opener, which is okay. The last time I spoke with you, we were on a video call and the room that you were in looked to me like a tattoo studio. And I thought that was cool. And I asked you about it. And I wonder if you would share with our listeners what is the deal with conference room naming at Segment? Sure. So conference room naming at Segment is actually really awesome because it makes knowing generally where you're supposed to be as a new hire at Segment really easy. So on our our lowest floor, we have trees are the conference rooms. So it's like oak, sycamore, stuff like that. And then the next floor up is animals that live in trees. So ants red panda, kinkajou, and then the floor above that is different types of clouds and water, so like waterfall, cumulus, and all of the conference rooms, you know generally how large they are based off of 
the number of syllables in the conference room name. So something like ant would be a single person conference room. And then um, something like Yoda would be a little bit larger conference room. And then something like Inkaju would be a relatively large room for that floor. And the room that we were in last time was Owl. And a lot of the conference rooms have themed art that is based on the name. And so there were some interesting Owl designs that we, we talked a little bit about when we were doing a video call. Very cool. I have visited many offices. Um, I have seen many different offices in people's video calls. And to date, I actually think that Segment has the best conference room naming convention that I'm aware of. So I think that's really cool. Hopefully none of that is secret. But thanks for sharing that with mm -hmm. us. <laughs> Leif, I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners, who was Leif Dreisler as a kid? What was your deal? Sure. So I was always into computers growing up. I'm a little bit younger than the era of people that remember like the specific name of the computer that they had as their first computer. I think we probably just had like a Dell or something like that. But I got my start in computers pretty young because my parents wouldn't let us have video game consoles until I think I was in middle school. But for some reason, playing computer games on the internet was okay. And so instead of playing Mario Kart with my friends, I was playing Counter-Strike and Diablo 2 M-rated games relatively early with random people on the internet. Luckily, I think I turned out okay anyways. And I was still playing with a lot of my friends, even though we were at our, our separate houses. But that was kind of how I got started with computers. And then one of the early things that I can think of that actually got me interested in security specifically was during high school, my parents said, you know, you can use a computer, but only after your homework's done, which seems fair. Uh, school's important. I think a lot of how I got to where I am today was doing well in school. So in hindsight, pretty, pretty reasonable rule. But sometimes my parents wouldn't get home before my homework was completed. And so once I held up my end of the bargain, like I felt like I should get to use the computer. And so my sister and I, we could call my dad and say, you know, Hey, where's the, the key to the, the office? And he'd give us the key or he'd tell us where he had hidden the key for that day. Um, but some days, you know, he was busy. He's an adult. Adults have meetings. And so sometimes he wouldn't pick up the phone. And so one of the days I made a copy of the key. And that worked for a while. I, I still followed the rules. I only used the key after I'd completed my homework. But then eventually they found out that I had a key. And so I had to resort to like cracking the window open. Then they figured that out. At some point I got a laptop and then they actually started unplugging the router in the office. And so I did what any 15-year-old or 16-year-old person would do. And uh, the next time I had internet, I went on YouTube and Googled or I looked up how to hack Wi-Fi. And luckily, this was in the days where some people were still using WEP uh, protected routers. And uh, I found some video where somebody uh, showed me how to use Backtrack, the predecessor to Kali Linux, and followed their instructions and was able to get the password to one of my neighbor's wireless networks. And then until my, my parents would get home and I could use our, our good network, I could use this mediocre network from somewhere in the neighborhood. 
Absolutely brilliant. Bravo, Leaf. So you <laughs> loved computers. You played Counter-Strike with folks from all over the world. Tell me about you in college. How did you choose to end up studying computer science? Sure. So I went into college without a major, started at UCSB, and I knew I wanted to do something science-related, but I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I took some math, I took some physics, I took some chemistry, and I took some computer science. And the computer science class was the only class that I liked doing the homework for. And I figured that was a pretty good sign. You know, like most people just complain about doing homework for everything. And I was lucky enough to have found one class that I actually thought it was interesting for. And I like the problem solving. I like the puzzles. Um, I like that you got to make the computer uh, do interesting things. And so after I took one class, signed up for another one the next quarter, took another one during summer to kind of get up, get caught up with the people that had started in the fall. And then some time during my sophomore year, I was I had taken enough math and computer science classes to actually transfer into the computer science major. But before taking my first computer science class, I didn't actually know what computer science was when I was signing up for it. My whole line of thinking was literally just computers are cool. And uh, this seems like something that I might enjoy. And so kind of got lucky there as well. That's awesome. And my understanding is that when you graduated, you didn't actually immediately take a job as a software developer. You actually went into security consulting. And my understanding is that you did some AppSec pen testing while you were actually continuing your senior year of college. What was that all about? How did you find out about that opportunity? And what did you like about it? Sure. So yeah, you're absolutely correct. I started working part-time for a security consulting company based in the Santa Barbara area during the beginning of my senior year. And I worked there for a while afterwards too, I think a, a little bit over a year and a half after I graduated. And I just happened to find out about it from one of my friends that was working there on the sales team. He connected me with the head of engineering or like the head of the consulting group there. And the interview was basically, you know, what have you done in security? Told him basically nothing. And he said, but you're studying computer science. And I said, yes. And they're like, okay, you can start on Monday. And <laughs> it was, it was really great. I mean, the fact that I was able to do a mixture of like social engineering, some external network pen testing, as well as some AppSec before graduating and learn from a group of people that were invested in my success and were really knowledgeable in those different areas was an awesome opportunity. And I think consulting is a decent place to get your foot in the door just because consulting companies, I, I feel like are generally willing to take risks on junior people. And also you do get the experience of getting to see how a bunch of different companies work. And I ended up leaving consulting partially because you do the same assessments like year over year and a lot of times like nothing had gotten fixed. And uh, I definitely like working on an internal security team um, where you can actually see progress over time and you can think back to what the landscape was like when you joined versus how it is now. And you can see improvements so, uh, based off the, the projects and actions that you've been a part of. That's really cool. I love to learn about sort of the evolution of you as a person as you were 
growing and learning and having these different experiences. And from what I can tell, you know, working at this AppSec consulting firm, doing pen testing, that seemed to be such a great fit for you in college, like, you know, solving puzzles, figuring out how to solve real world problems. Um, and then here you are in what I understand to be your first kind of like really blue team role that's a little more coding heavy. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit about how your team works at Segment, specifically how your team works with engineers at Segment. I think that you are in a unique position where because you have coding skills, like actual, real, I went to four years of computer science school coding skills, you have this ability to really understand those teams and work with them uh, in a way that, that not everyone can. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about how that's set up today? Yeah, definitely. So joining segment, uh, one of my big goals was to really improve my software development skills. As you said, I did four years of college in computer science. I also wrote some amount of code when I was in consulting, just, you know, kind of automation type stuff to like solve problems. But I, I'd never really been part of a team that was building production quality software that customers are interacting with directly, um, which is very different than just like scripting and like, the kind of stuff that you work on um, during a, your average computer science degree. And so at Segment, we think of security as part of building good software. The software engineers are the ones writing the majority of our software. And so naturally, security has to start with them. On the security engineering team, which is a mixture of application, cloud, and product security, we're there to help evaluate tooling, provide education, embed on key prog projects. But ultimately, it is the responsibility to ev of everybody at Segment to make good choices for our customers. Yeah, that's really cool. You were telling me about this. I'm going to use the term internship. I'm sure you, your team at Segment has a different way to describe it, but where you actually have security team members embed in engineering teams and vice versa. Can you tell me a little bit about how did that get started and what has that experience been like? Have, have there been any surprises along the way as you've, as you've tried to get these teams to, to blend in uh, and spend a day or maybe a week or, you know, I don't know how long these periods of time are, uh, but to walk in someone else's shoes, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah, we just call them in embed pro programs, um, which is a word that, that you use after internships. So I think that's a great way to describe it. I've done a couple embed programs. I'm actually in the middle of one right now where I'm partnered up with our web info team, which is a team of really talented software engineers at Segment. We're working on rethinking some of our authentication and authorization project at Segment. And so I think that's a really natural place for there to be an overlap between some of your most talented software engineers and some people from the security team to be there helping with these decisions, helping write code, and just having somebody that has a really thorough understanding of the project versus, you know, maybe you have some software engineers that are popping into a Slack channel and just asking one-off questions and 
you know, depending on who answers, like there's always some back and forth that anybody else on the team like kind of already knows. And so there's some efficiency gains there. There's also a benefit of having somebody who's intimately familiar with um, some of the most important parts of your infrastructure and, and your application. And you also are going to recommend much more practical solutions as a security person. I think one of the things that I realized after I started, you know, writing fixes and, and being part of some of these teams over my time at Segment is everything takes way longer than you think it does if you're not somebody who's part of that team. And we're in an agile environment, like our builds are really fast, like our deployments are fast. And even just the time that it takes to figure out how to solve something, write the solution, write some tests, deploy it to staging, get it tested, like have somebody review your pull request, like all that stuff just adds up. And there's a little bit of time in between each of those steps where you're kind of just like waiting for stuff, but you're not waiting long enough to really do much else. And so that was definitely one of the things that, um, think is a a great thing to come out of embedding on these teams is just realizing how long it takes even to do something that an external person might see as like relatively minor. Yeah, that's so cool. I think that at this point, it's fairly common for security teams and AppSec teams in particular to try and grow these like security champion programs. I feel like it's segment with the embed programs. You've really taken it to the next level. Um, And I have so many questions for you about this. Um, So first question I have is when you were starting off in your security role at segment, um, my understanding is that one of the things that you would do is you would actually help the developers fix security vulnerabilities. And that might be you actually going in, making the code changes. And I'm curious to know, like, did anyone get mad at you for doing that? Was Were people okay with you just, like, having that access and making those changes? Did you run into um, any unexpected challenges as you were trying to help out in that way? No, generally, everybody was, was really receptive. And it's worth noting that when I joined Segment two and a half years ago, the, the company was obviously much smaller. It had one third of the amount of people that it has today. And I don't think that that would be any different for somebody that's joining now. But also, I think that things like that are generally easier to do just at smaller companies where there's less rules and less process. And, you know, if somebody wants to fix something, most people probably aren't going to stop them. And so when I joined as a good way to get familiar with our application code, um, I just took some stuff that, that was things either from pen tests or from bug bounty reports that were like lows or mediums, you know, P3s or P4s, stuff that engineering teams like may not prioritize quickly. And I would just, you know, try and fix it. I'd figure out, okay, where is this happening in the app or in the the backend that responds to the app? Like, why is this happening? Um, Try to make sure that I understood the functionality as best I could before trying to fix it because, you know, I wouldn't want to, break something for our customers in an effort to try and fix a security vulnerability, um, especially one that's kind of on the lower priority side. And so that was a really good experience. Uh, the developers that were reviewing my PRs and you know pointing me in the right direction and stuff, uh, all of them were really helpful. And I think that is a really good way for somebody who's new on a security team to earn some points with developers is uh, you know make it clear that this isn't like the security team doesn't exist to fix 
vulnerabilities written by other people, but also acknowledging like, hey, I'm new here. I'm trying to learn the atmosphere and the environment. And this is a really good way for me to provide a benefit for both of our teams. And I think that a lot of uh, modern app tech organizations would be okay with somebody who's relatively new on the team taking some time to do some of these software heavy projects early on so that uh, the next time that they're tagged in on a code review or a design review or somebody has a question or something, there's at least somebody on the team who's familiar with this part of the code base. Yeah, that's really cool. When I hear you and other folks on the segment team describe interactions, it sounds like the company culture is really security supportive. And at the same time, I can see I can see what the security team does to make themselves valuable. Um, I love hearing the way you describe, you know, as a, as a new joiner at Segment, you know, you're learning so much by being able to kind of jump in and, and fix some of these uh, vulnerabilities. You're learning all about the tech stack and the software development process and, and all of these different environmental factors. Um, and at the same time, you are providing value to those teams. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, Leif, another thing that, that you and I chatted about during our prep was um, sort of like the difference between coding in school and then coding in, you know, I'll use this term in real life. Um, the idea, of course, being that solving a coding problem, you know, when you have a blank slate is totally different from when you're trying to, you know, take into account um, a lot of different code that's been written by a lot of different people um, and, and in a very specific um, technology environment. So I wonder if you can talk about that a little bit. Sure. I think anybody that, you know, has done some amount of uh, either formal computer science education or uh, something more self-driven or if you've been a boot camp grad and then gone into uh, the quote-unquote real world, which I'm not sure if it's even real. If you uh, believe people like Elon Musk, we could all be in a simulation right now. But generally, I think that when you're working on projects from scratch, you can make all the decisions. You can decide how the functionality behaves. Uh, you don't have to worry about backwards compatibility or your existing customer base being confused. And when you're working on something that is a complex piece of software that's been built over a number of years by tens or your hundreds of developers, the idea that you could go into this existing code base and understand all the decisions and why they were made is impossible. Even with great tests, even with comments, there's still going to be stuff that you kind of just pick up over time. And I never really got that experience in school. Usually you'd have, you know, maybe like a rough skeleton provided by the instructor or, you know, a set of test cases that you needed to get to pass uh, to determine your grade. But there were very few instances where we were actually working on a code base that was not something that we had made ourselves. And I know that that's changing a little bit. There's a professor, he's actually the reason why I got into computer science. His name's Phil Conrad. And he's actually taken a lot of steps to modernize aspects of the computer science program at UCSB. All of the submissions for his classes are using Git and GitHub. Uh, he does a lot of 
partner-based work and like partner uh, peer reviews and things like that. And then he also has projects where you need to take somebody's code from a previous quarter and improve the functionality or fix things and things like that. And I think that that's a really good experience, but I think that that's far from the norm for a lot of computer science programs. That is really cool. You know, I'm realizing you and I are actually both UC CS grads. Um, and I'm curious to know if you have a perspective on like a four-year university program versus a boot camp. I expect that we have listeners today who are thinking to themselves like, wow, like what Leaf is doing sounds really cool. And I'd really like to maybe do something like that one day. Um, and I'm curious to know what advice might you give to these folks? And do you have a perspective on if, if a person's in a position to make a decision like this, you know, if somebody might choose boot camp or choose, you know, four year traditional study, I wonder if you have advice for our listeners uh, about those topics. Sure. So one thing I'll say before we get started down this path is this is just one part of security. Um, there are tons of great opportunities in security as well as different paths to a role that's similar to what I'm in. I think I'm going to be naturally somewhat biased to the path that I took just because it was successful for me. But I think that a, a four-year role is in computer science is still a very safe choice. And I know that education is really expensive. There's a lot of debate, especially online, about you know whether degrees are worth it or not. And I think that there is a lot of merit to that debate. I think that you can be very successful being self-taught. I think that you can be very successful going to a boot camp. Um, I think it's great that a lot of companies are dropping the four-year degree requirement just because people learn in a variety of different ways. And I think that acknowledging that not everyone has to take that same path is a lot more inclusive than it used to be. But that being said, if you're somebody that can afford the cost and time of a four-year computer science degree, it is going to set you really, you're going to be really well set up to get a job in security or in software development. And I think that everybody I knew in college either went on to get a master's degree or started uh, a job as someone who interacts with code uh, like right out of school. So at least at the school I went to, it, it is a pretty safe bet that if you want to get into this, like that is a, a potential path. Yeah, very cool. I'll, um, I'll, I'll echo that sentiment. Um, I myself have never been in a software development role either, but I will say that um, having the degree um, certainly has opened doors and opportunities for me. So on behalf of our listeners, uh, thank you for thank you for that advice and for that perspective. Leaf, we're actually coming to the end of our time. I'm always um, surprised a little bit at how quickly the time passes. And I'm curious to know if you have any parting words of advice for our listeners today. Yeah, if you're somebody that's trying to get into the security industry, I think that learning how to write code is really, really valuable. There's a need for people that understand how to write even basic automation in all aspects of security. If you're interested in going into compliance or you're interested in going into corporate security, 
knowing how to do the basics and just get APIs talking to each other when there isn't something built by those vendors will serve you really well. Um, even if your goal is never to be able to write production quality software, being able to automate the boring part to your job, uh, I think is something that everybody can benefit from. And also, if you're trying to get into the industry, I think that attending meetups and uh, conferences, if you can afford to, a lot of conferences do have scholarships for, for people that, that can't afford to attend. I think that that is a really great way to meet people. Um, the security industry is pretty small. And if you can meet the right people, they are usually pretty helpful when it comes to connecting you to uh, opportunities. So if you're somebody that's listening to this and you want to get into the industry, I think those are two of my biggest pieces of advice. Cool. Cool. Fantastic. Leif, thank you so much for joining me today. I have the good fortune to talk with folks that I've known for a while on the podcast. Uh, and each time I speak with someone who's a friend of mine on the podcast, uh, I learn something new about that person. And that's certainly true uh, with you. Uh, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today uh, and for sharing your stories and your experiences with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's always great to podcast with people that are so easy to talk with. Cool. I'm so glad. Thank you. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.